Before we get started, ESPN in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions present The VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Gold Anwude, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's The VC Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. Ryan, they, like, changed our song up a little bit at the start. Like, did you hear the beginning? It was a little bit of a different twang to it. Hey, DC, by the way, uh, the judges just called me. You just lost another fight Saturday. They just gave it to you. They just gave you a loss. Because they can do whatever the hell they want. So they just gave you a loss. You got another loss on you. And we got another loss on you. We going to talk about that. But coming up. We got to recap UFC 282. We also get joined by Jamal Hill, and we tap in the tap out. But, Ryan, wait till I tell you about this judge, man. This judge a bully. He a whole bully, man. It's the craziest thing in the world, dog. But, Ryan, Ryan, UFC 282 was last weekend in Las Vegas. We had a draw in the co-main event. Or, or sorry, in the main event at the light heavyweight uh, mm-hmm. fight, the title fight. It was an, uh, a vacant championship. Next thing you know, yep. 30 minutes later, another title fight has been announced for Brazil next month. What was your reaction initially? Like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this is <laughs> hey, happening. Bro. You know what? And we often talk about this when it, be, when it pertains to the UFC, that they can make whatever move they want, DC. This isn't the NFL. This isn't the MLB. This isn't even boxing. Dana White and his cohorts – they have this level of power. Dana has this level of power. If he wants something to get done, if he needs to rectify anything in the UFC, it gets done immediately. And I was laughing at Jamal's post where he, where he obviously, you know, he replays the, 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 the decision for it to be a draw in the light heavyweight title fight. And then he's like, when you watch the light heavyweight title fight and then you get the call from the UFC and it's simultaneously as – as uh, Jan Bohovitz oh and Magomed Ankalaev are in the are in the the, the <laughs> octagon, and it, it felt like it happened that quickly. Though DC, for you, a guy who was light heavyweight champion, what are you thinking? You know, honestly, bro, like I was I was at the arena, and when I left the arena, I got back to my hotel. I'm about to go eat because you know it's late. We've been we've been up there since two in the afternoon. And I look at my phone, and all of a sudden, there's another title fight, and I could not believe it. I was like, wow. I was like, that that was unexpected. Because we're tasked with trying to figure out what's next at the end of a pay-per-view. And the one thing we said was, you don't necessarily have to run this back. Because even though the fight was competitive and fun, you don't necessarily have to run it back. What you didn't expect was for them to move on that quickly to something else. So for me, it just speaks to what the promotion thought of the fight. Because if they thought mm. the fight was good, they would have ran that back. Hell, we're doing Moreno versus Figueredo four in Brazil next four month. Four times. So right. they're not they're not a yeah, they're not afraid to run something back, but they must not have thought much of the fight. But luckily one of the guys that is in the new main event of UFC 283 was on hand and Glover Teixeira was able to react very quickly and this is what he had to say. Right after the fight uh, I was uh, waiting for the 
the winner to see who the next guys I'll prepare for. And uh, the draw, and I was like, who am I fighting next? Who am I fighting next? That's what I was like walking around saying. And then we went to backstage, and I talked to Hunt and and, uh, and um, Mickey, and um, they just talked to me and said, hey, what about fighting for the belt, UFC Rio, January 21st? Let's go. <laughs> That is a uh, <laughs> Look at this, quick dude. reaction from Glover Teixeira. <laughs> now we have to welcome in the other half of the main event of UFC 283 as we welcome in my basketball son, Jamal Hill, who is now fighting for the light heavyweight <laughs> championship of the world. What's up, Jamal? The cap is real. What's happening, brother? How you doing? I'm chilling. I'm chilling. <laughs> hey, yo, good, come on. Good. Fuck people the truth, DC. You know, who's really getting buckets out there? Who's really getting buckets out the there? The reality they, is, DC. Didn't you? They had a whole. Didn't your shot get blocked by like a lightweight or something? No, while you're out there. And you know, if you <laughs> fight that, if you fight Muhammad. that way, you ain't but five six. Hey, wow. Jamal blocked my shot one time, but Jamal's like six four. And plus, dog, Jamal be fouling. <laughs> but the reality is, Bro, they had a whole bunch of people watching. That whole bunch of people watching, right? That whole bunch of people watching, and they voted the me the MVP. I was I was voted, voted the MVP by the Nobody. fans in the they, the people around voted me the MVP of the game. Who who are these people? Hey guys, Jamal, Jamal, my basketball skill, my basketball skill is not up for debate. What's up for questioning now is you're fighting for the light heavyweight championship. Now you put that video up, Jamal, and like I ain't gonna lie, like you know what I like about you. It's like you're skinny, but sometimes you got a little belly, you know? So, like, out of camp, you got to have a little belly. So, you're in, front of the key, you're in front of the TV with your little belly, and you were like, they called me for the fight. And as a fighter, right away you stepped up. How excited were you to get that call, Jamal? I was ecstatic, you know? I was through the roof. It's just, this is what I've been waiting for, you know, the opportunity to uh, fight, for, fight for a title, you know? It's the question that I've always wanted to answer. Am I good enough to be champion? And now... I get to answer that question. Well, Jamal, you know, you've won your last three fights in resounding fashion, and I think that's the reason why they call a Jamal Hill for this fight, because after you watch that, you want some sort of excitement in the next uh, light heavyweight championship bout. But kind of walk us through how that night takes place or how you get that phone call and when you get it, because I'm hoping it's not with your belly sticking out as they're actually announcing the draw <laughs> in the main event on Saturday. Bro, like, hey, bro, I ain't even had it. Hey, look, even without the shirt on, you know, I still got a six-pack. I don't wear the belly like DC wear the belly. He got a full keg. No, I, I wear that I mug, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you wear <laughs> you put a pay, you put a short, you put the trousers up and everything. You wear They put this up so high, they trousers. They not even shorts no more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ma, how, how did the night go down, bro? What, what was but it yeah. like getting that call? So, it basically, um, it went down. I was watching. I was watching the fights like usual, you know, um... I'm always tapped in, you know. I'm a fan. It's a it's a big card. I had some of my boys fighting on the card. Shout out to Billy Q, the grind, grind them down to the bone, Mr. Heart Test. Um, and yeah, my boy Joaquin, my boy Joaquin and uh, Curtis was fighting. So you know, I was tapped in. And uh, not no lie, I did fall asleep at the beginning of the ma of the main card. <laughs> so, like uh, I've been up all day, you know. Uh, but after. I think it was Till, right as Till tapped, 
I woke up and I started watching the car. You know, it was, it, they were good fights. I thought, um, I thought the Patty Pibbler fight and the uh, Jared Gordon fight was should have gone the other way. It was still a great fight. Um, and I thought the main event was should have gone to Maga Man. So I even tweeted out, I'm like, I'm like, all right. Even on no legs, he still got it done, you know. Shout out to him. Can't wait to see you next year. And uh, and it was a draw. And I'm like, right. everybody else, I'm like, what? You know, I started sending out my tweet, <laughs> you know, my little, you know, being fighting <laughs> in this situation or whatever. And uh, my phone rang, and it was my manager. And I'm thinking he's calling me to, like, you know, just to chop it up about the about what just happened or whatever. And he's like, dude, they got Glover, Glover versus um, – you versus Glover for the belt in Rio. You want it? I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I was yeah, bitch, <laughs> that, was, I just, that just came out. Yeah. 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 Javal, so let me ask you this question. You and Glover are now going to fight on uh, relatively short notice, right? It's like six weeks. You guys are yeah. going to fight in Rio. My question is this. How do you see the matchup with Glover Teixeira what can you expect from the former champion when you guys are locked into the octagon in Rio? Also, walking into hostile territory, right? Brazil, mm. Brazilian dude in the main event for a championship. That's a pretty. Th they're going to be screaming. You're going to die in Portuguese. It's going to be a raucous environment. <laughs> How much are you looking forward to that? He ain't gonna understand it. I'm looking forward to it all. I can't wait for it. You know, it's an experience like that. Who, who really gets to experience this? You know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and uh, I'm just going to embrace it. I'm going to enjoy the moment. Uh, I feel blessed to be able to have this opportunity, and I'm going to go in and I'm going to make the most of it. You know, um, as far as the matchup goes, it's the ultimate test. Glover is a true champion. He's he's one of the best in the game. You know, um, he yeah, he dropped the he dropped the fight to Yuri, but 30 seconds and he don't make a crazy mistake. I think he actually wins that fight. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm looking at it as I'm going in to beat the best. Yeah, so we know, you know, Glover had a fight that was supposed to be happen, happening with Yuri Prohaska. That gets canceled because of Yuri. And you were uh, slated to fight Anthony Smith, who I believe found out that you guys wouldn't be fighting mm. while he was on air. Had you um, already started training for that fight? And if not, how do you deal with the fact that Glover is probably in really good shape now because he was expecting to be fighting in December? Um, get in, get work out, get myself as ready as possible and go in and do what I do. I mean, like as far as the cardio goes, my cardio is, is, is fine. And my cardio for me is not a problem. You know, I can, I do what I need to do in a fight. And, um, yeah, I can't control, I can't control how ready he is. I can just control how ready I am. So I focus on the things that I can control. Mm -hmm. Jamal, you are a guy that, Guys like me, we know and respect, but to the general public, you still have to build that name recognition. Getting mm -hmm. a championship or having that opportunity, you're going to have more eyes on you than you've ever had before. Watching Patty Pimblett, it speaks to the UFC promotional uh, uh, machine working, that you can go to a high level very quickly. But when you think about the opportunity in front of you, you said you've looked forward to this for a really long time. Have you really taken a moment to just sit back and take it all in? Like, you've 12 fights into your UFC career, still very young. Um, to think about, like, what opportunity is out ahead of you, man? Because as a young black man, 
Jamal, we have not broken into that urban market as much as the UFC would want to, as much as boxing. There are going to be a lot of kids that look like you now that look to Jamal Hill and say, hey, man, maybe one day I can be the champion. Have you taken all that in? I quite like that, you know. Uh, it's just I've just been diving in and get ready for the fight. You know, um, I'm not trying to – I don't really focus on that. I'm just focusing on the task. Like, that's, that, was the, that was the thing. When the task was presented to me, the task is all my mind is obsessed about. That's yeah. all I'm, I'm focused on. I am obsessed about Glover Teixeira right now, you know, and uh, there's not really much room for anything else. Man, listen, we love that, Maul. One thing we know is that anytime you step into the octagon, it's going to be explosive. You aren't scared. And what we learned in the Tiago Santos fight is you're willing to stand in the fire in order to land some of these punches that have become highlight reels for you. We look forward to seeing you get an opportunity to fight for the belt. And maybe if you win the belt, we could get back on this basketball court and you and D.C. could settle who truly hey, hey. is the king of the court after you settle who's the king of the light heavyweight division. He's not going to play me. He's going to bring somebody else. He's going to bring somebody else. Hey. on my nephew. I'm going to bet on somebody else. Hey, and reality is this also. I took his money. And the reality, I, I don't really like how much bass he got in his voice after what I did to him on the basketball court. He carrying all his bass. He carrying all his bass in your voice. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, guys, break it up. I gave him a break chance to win his money up. back and then he us out of it. Break it up. Appreciate you, Mo, man. <laughs> Get to training, brother. We Good look man, forward Jamal. to seeing you fight for the championship in Rio, man. Appreciate y'all having me. My man. Yep. Jamal Hill, a cool you dude, know, man. Jamal Hill, a cool brother. Ronnie, a cool brother. Nah, he's, he's a good dude. He's also an excellent fighter who I think has gotten the opportunity that he wouldn't have gotten under normal circumstances. And so what we know is when you get those opportunities, when the UFC puts you in that type of space, you have to capitalize when you get the opportunity. Another guy who has gotten those type of spaces, that type of promotion, is Patty Pimlet. And Patty Pimlet really took a step up in fighting Gordon over the weekend. And you heard Jamal talk a little bit about that fight. DC, when you look at Patty Pimblin, and we were talking about it before the show, that this is a guy who has had a ton of mixed martial arts fights, even though we treat him as almost a prospect in the UFC. Looking at him, how high is Patty Pimblin's ceiling to you after what we saw Saturday night? You know, that's a bit of a tricky one, right? Because, it, like you said, Ryan, he's fought a lot, right? So... Looking at Patty Pimblett as if he's some prospect is not really a fair assessment of where he is in his career. This guy was a Cage Warriors champion. He, he just got here much later than most young guys. And his ascent into stardom was faster because he came with such a decorated career before he got to the UFC. Everyone in the know understood and recognized that Jared Gordon was going to be the toughest competition Patty Pimlet had seen to this point, and that proved to be true. I believe that right now he needs to do some things a little different if he's going to truly accomplish the status that he says he will. He says one day he's going to be champion. You can never question this kid's confidence. But right now, there's going to have to be some adjustments made to his fighting style to ultimately put himself on the level of the guy's that he aspires to be like or to fight against. Because right now, after watching him this weekend, 
if he's in there with one of the top 10, 12 guys in the world, it's very difficult to pick Patty right now. And I like Patty Pimblett. I think, I think there's a lot to him. But I think that he's got to kind of mix it up a little bit. Well, you know, D.C., he compares himself to Conor McGregor very often. And I think we look at Conor McGregor and a lot of a lot of fighters could pair their star to Conor McGregor. And I do believe that Patty Pimblett is building that. He has kind of the, the Patty the Fatty thing that people follow and it makes him like the common man. And then he has the accent and he's extremely funny and he's charismatic. And he has all these things that Conor McGregor had. But what he doesn't have is that left hand that Conor McGregor displayed mm -hmm. very early on in his UFC career. The type of dominance and the level of dominance over the people and over fighters you needed to be dominant over or a more dominant then to show us that you one day deserve to be in the octagon with a legend like Jose Aldo. Right? We, we felt that right away. And there were people, excuse me, and there were people, DC, that thought Conor McGregor got fast-tracked. Because of all of the things that did Patty Pimblett possessed that, that kind of... He did not. Conor McGregor stepped into the mm -hmm. octagon with very good fighters, high-level fighters, fighters like Chad Mendez, even though it was, off of, um, it was off of a short you know, a short training camp, and he beat those guys. And he beat them in resounding fashion, which is different. Yep. When I look at Patty Pimblett and I'm watching him against Jared Gordon this weekend, that does, that's, that's not a champion to me, D.C., that, that, that's not a guy who I think can make the type of adjustments to his game. I mean, I'm watching people on that on that card who Patty Pimblett would have to go through in order to be champion that I don't believe he can beat. And so in watching that fight, listening to you and Joe talk about how high his chin is, also watching him, you know, go move backwards, especially in the second round as Jared Gordon continues to put pressure on him and then lean against the cage and be controlled by Jared the entire third round. Those weren't championship level skills shown. And so when I see that, I'm starting to think, DC, at least as it pertains to the great fighters or the very good fighters in his class, is Patty Pimblett more star than stud inside the octagon. You know what's crazy, RC, is that when they compare him to McGregor, in McGregor's, like, fourth fight, he beat Dustin Poirier. And then he beat Max Holloway. Yes. And Max Holloway, then after losing to Conor McGregor, yes. won 12 in a row, became the champion and did what he did. So it's like, we can't really, we can't really compare their accomplishments, especially in the first four fights, because kind of had a Dustin Poirier. Patty's best win is Jared Gordon. Now... Is that to say that he'll never get to those levels? I don't know. I just know that after watching the fight last weekend, I know two things. He's a much bigger star than I ever expected. People love him. But I also know that there are more questions in regards to his fighting than I had going into the fight on Saturday night. Because as with most, we buy into what we see. He was finishing people. Mm -hmm. He looked good. And it looked like he was on track to take that McGregor path. But, dude, nobody really takes the McGregor path. It usually takes a long time. Right. So I think right now we need to chill on those comparisons. Compare to star power, at least at that time. But let's not compare them in terms of fighting skill right now because Conor McGregor was at a much higher level, much faster. But the story of yes. UFC 282 was not just Patty Pimblett. Patty Pimblett and most of the conversation surrounding him right now was based on the decision because so many thought, so many thought that Jared Gordon won the fight. Judging has now become an issue in mixed martial arts, and it's more evident than ever, right? So you look at this. Chris Lee, 
Ron McCarthy, 10-9 Gordon, two rounds, first two. I thought Gordon won the third round, so Ron McCarthy and I saw a little different. Chris Lee had Pimblett winning round two and three. Douglas Crosby has become uh, the most controversial judge in fighting right now because he gave Pimblett one and two. He gave Gordon round three, which no one else, it, 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 it's, it varies, right? Only one that uh, Ron McCarthy did it to. But the night before, Ryan, Douglas Crosby scored a fight in Bellator. Mm-hmm. It was yep. 48-47 on two scorecards. The third card was Crosby's, and he scored it 50-45 for the loser. Yep. I've never in yeah. my life seen a <laughs> <Yeah>. scorecard <laughs> bounce around that much. What is going on with the judging right now, Ryan? Whenever I understand we don't all watch the same fight, but to have it that off to me is crazy. Well, I think, DC, the, the problem is, at least from an, an outsider's perspective or a fan perspective, is there are certain fights we feel like we know who won the fight. Now, there are others that are toss-ups, and, and you know, we'll text the group chat, and we'll be like, it's a split decision, or this was close. Or after the, the judges hand down the scorecards, we say, you know what, we can see that, or we accept that. This was one of those that unanimously everyone thought that Jared Gordon won. Everyone saw the left hand continuously land every time Jared Gordon, Gordon decided to let it loose. Everyone saw the control in the third round. And so as you're watching this fight, I believe the question started for me, are they actually going to allow him to win? And I believe that's mm-hmm. what's bad for the sport. Not that it's not 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 that it's you know not a difficult thing to judge fights. We understand that it is and we understand that people see the fights in different ways, but in this case it seemed obvious to most that Patty Pimblett was on the losing end of this. But what exasperates it, right, and what makes it worse, what makes people pay more attention to it is there was one person in the octagon that was an obvious rising star. (laughs) Not just based on what Mm -hmm. he could do in the octagon, but based on what he could do for the promotion, the type of fanfare that he has. This brings us back, and not that Crosby scored this fight, this brings us back to Sean O'Malley, Piotr Jan. Which, mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. in my estimation, though, was a closer fight than this one, right? It like was. When, when Sean O'Malley it wins, it was a closer fight than this one. And so, DC, how bad of a look, or how bad is this for the UFC, or is it something they can sweep under the rug because the sport's so popular? Here's the problem: it's not like it's not on the UFC. Like I think people, anyone. Anyone uh, saying something like, well, the UFC is fixing the the judges, that's not true. The UFC has nothing to do with picking judges, appointing judges. It doesn't work that way. The commission appoints the judges. Bro, there are some bad judges in Texas. And if it was up to the UFC, they would probably bring a lot of those judges from Vegas out to Texas because they wouldn't see some of the bad decisions we've had in Texas. So all that is BS. But in regards to this particular judge. Sometimes they're human beings, and these judges may judge in a way that they think is beneficial to what they think someone else wants. And uh, Ariel Hawani said this on his show yesterday. They were talking about this, about the judging. You can't judge the fight trying to appease someone. 
you're there to do a job. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing that spoke to Crosby was that he went and did the Bellator fight on Friday then flew to Vegas and did another fight on Saturday. I don't know if guys should be judging fights two different time zones two days in a row. That doesn't make much sense. You, mm -hmm. you can't really be clear. He's under investigation right now. Today it was announced that yeah. Douglas Crosby is getting investigated. The controversial judge from the fight in Connecticut is under investigation. Yeah. So it seems as though the commissioners are going to start to try to do something about it because it's becoming a bit more consistent. And, dude, there's consistently right. bad judging all across the board in mixed martial arts, boxing, and everything else. Boxing, it's, everything. It, it, it right. sucks, but it is what it is. Well, DC, what, what doesn't suck was the amount of finishes that we had on Saturday and also the amount of bonuses handed out. There were 10 bonuses handed out uh, this weekend. And Dominique Cruz, uh, Dominic Cruz spoke a little bit to the mentality of fighters when they're going for those finishes. I think if you pay attention to the UFC giving bonuses to every finish, they're proving the point to not leave it to the judges considering how we've seen the judges. They're trying, the UFC is telling you, just go for the finish and we'll bonus you. And we're all going for it, but when you do it, they make you pay for it. When you go to the judges, they make you pay for it. So make sure you show up. And I think as fighters, we really got to take that into, into play and, and think smart when we go in there because we got to change our game plan according to the judges. Now, that's interesting to me, DC. Dominic Cruz, who's one, of the, who's one of the legends, he basically said when you have the judging that is being so inconsistent, now mm. as a fighter, you have to approach the fight differently because you understand that you don't want it into the judges' hands because you can't necessarily predict if you're winning. And like to me, DC... It's kind of when you listen to guys as they're speaking in their corner and they're like, hey, man, you're down 2-0. You got to go win. Or we could think back uh, to UFC, uh, to, to the Madison Square Garden, Garden fight where, where, where they're telling Alex, hey, you got to go finish this guy. This is, this is the round. This is the fifth round. Izzy's up on you. You have to go finish him. <laughs> and so it's getting to the point where you can't even necessarily trust what your corner is saying because you don't know the scorecards. Cards. Speak a little bit to the mentality of a fighter when you do have to worry about how the judging will fare. R RC, you know why I'm laughing? Because think about this, RC. Like, you're, you're speaking to the corner of Fajeda. What if he was winning? Like, what if judges somehow had him winning? Because the judges are so up <laughs> right. and down. Like, what if he was winning? Right. Like, to your point, like, what if he was winning the damn fight? Right. He goes out there and he throws caution to the win and he gets caught with something. It's crazy. It Rick. makes fighters take more risks. But what Dominic Cruz is also saying, though, is that with the UFC bonusing everyone, it almost puts the emphasis on finishing. So maybe it allows fighters to take more risk, to go out there and try to do more to try to get that $50,000 bonus. But, yeah, it does change the approach. Because I remember fighting Frank Mir, and I held him against the side of the octagon in, for long periods of time, and I won a clear decision, 30-27. But after watching round three, on, on Saturday night, uh, Jared Gordon was able to hold Patty Pillman against the side of the octagon. He didn't land much now. Jared, let's, let's not mistake mm -hmm. this. Jared Gordon did not land much in terms of no. strikes from the clinch in round three. He was, he was just well, I think it was what, 6 4 Patty or something like that. It was, uh, Patty was up in the, yeah. third, in the third round and, strikes. And, and both, were very, both were very inefficient. They didn't do much. Right, they were both very lazy, like not lazy, 
but it was very low low output in round three. So you mm-hmm. leave those judge anytime you have that low output, there's not much to judge. It was like Rose Namajunas and freaking Carla Esparza, right? Right, so, right. But at least back in the day, you knew that the guy didn't want to be held against the side of the octagon. You put him there, you forced him there, you made him stay there, you won the round. Now, that doesn't okay. seem to mean as much. So it's making fighters be more uh, aggressive. It's going to make fighters have to risk more. And with that, I believe that it kind of affects the skill of mixed martial arts because these guys, it's a chess match, RC, and I don't know how to play chess, but it's a chess match, and one wrong move can cost you the ultimate thing, and that's you getting knocked out. But you got to fight that way now because it's so hard to go stand in the center of the octagon and really not know if you won or not, even if you feel you did. Yeah, and and I think that's what's becoming increasingly difficult about the UFC, but also making it extremely exciting because now these fighters understand that you can get a loss if you if you decide to just finish the fight or hold a guy against the cage. And so I think you'll start to see more activities in some of these very close fights once you get to the last round. And I believe what Dom was saying will resonate not only with Dominic Cruz, who is still fighting, but also some of the fighters listening to him. And speaking of Dominic Cruz, I just want to give my condolences and also all the condolences and prayers and blessings from DC and RC. Dominic lost his father this weekend. Um, and we all know how much family means to each and every one of us, the way that they supported us through our careers and the places and the sacrifices that they've made in order for us to be who we are. And so for Dominic Cruz, for the entire Cruz family, we are extremely, extremely sorry for your loss. And I know, D.C., you would have some words to say. You've been through this yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, losing your dad is, is so difficult and so tough. And for Dominic Cruz, his father, Rogelio, is, uh, it's so sad. And my brother, I, pr- I will pray for you every single day for you to get through this tough time. Pray for your mother and your family. I was able to go down to Tucson one time uh, and talk to uh, Dominic's family and do an interview, an in-depth interview with him when I was working at Fox. Meet his family. Meet the area in which Dominic Cruz was brought up, and I know more about him today. So I know that in this very tough time, he has a strong family that is going to come together, and they're going to get through this together. But Dominic Cruz and the entire Cruz family, we are praying for you guys. D. Cruz, I love you, my brother. Uh, my phone is always open if you need somebody to talk to. Um, You know, D.C., Dominic Cruz is one of the legends of this sport. He's been in some of the, the greatest fights. He's shown some of the greatest skill. And I think it's the Dominic... Dominic Cruz's of the world and obviously the Robbie Lawler's of the world that now give us guys like Raul Rojas. And to see this young 18-year-old high school senior, so skilled, also so poised, DC, in the face-off, having a guy saying, I'm going to break your bleeping jaw and not budging, not being scared, going out and showing that he was, without a doubt, the more skilled fighter when you're watching a guy this young dc this intent this technical what does this say about raul and also what does this say about where the sport is going where a kid was 10 years old emulating robbie lawler and had a robbie lawler birthday cake 
RC's concerned, honestly. Like, I'm telling you, man, like, we're standing there. We're sitting there. It's me, Sean Shelby, and uh, we're Mick Maynard. We're all watching, getting ready for Rosas to come out and fight. And it's, like, nerve-wracking because if this kid goes out there and gets mollywhopped, you're like, man, that's an 18-year-old kid. But Rosas got into the octagon and showed you that he's no ordinary 18-year-old kid. He put it on Jay Perrin. He went out there, he took him down, and he dominated him. This kid has so much skill, and this kid has a confidence level about him that is way beyond his years. I thought to myself when I was talking to him early in the week, I'm like, youthful ignorance, Ryan. Just being young Naivety. And dumb. I love it. You're just Nothing young and matters, dumb. Right? Yes. Like, yes. Just young and dumb. We've all been there, right? We're, we're old now, but like yeah. when we were 18, we thought we could do anything. The biggest man in right. any place, we thought we could beat them up. That is Raul Rosas yeah. Jr., but he has the skill to back it up. This kid has been trained since his father, since a very young boy, for this. He came up to me, RC. You remember this year at the Fan Expo, you got interviewed mm-hmm. on the broadcast and all the fans were going up to you? We used to all do that, right? And in my line, mm-hmm. it was Raul Rosas Jr. and his brother. So when he came into the fighter wow. meeting, he showed me a picture of me, him, and his brother. He had waited in line over an hour to get a photo with me when Bro, I was the Strike Force champion. To see that and see him in the octagon now, unbelievable. And this kid has a star quality about him. Or see, he goes, Dana White, give me a bonus so I can buy my mom a minivan so she can drive me to the UFC PI. It was like the best line of the night. I loved it. <laughs> hey, DC, you know what's you know what's so crazy though? When you watch a young man this age, it makes you think about what you were doing. At 18. At 18, I just turned, I mean, I was in the middle of my freshman football season at LSU. I just come off of injury. My parents actually drove up from New Orleans for my 18th birthday to take me. I can't even remember what it was. It was, it's it's a place that's not even existing in Baton Rouge anymore. We went and got seafood. And I just remember... I remember not knowing anything, D.C. I remember how inexperienced (laughs) I was at life, not only in football. And so to see this young man be able to handle the bright lights of being in the UFC, to understand the discipline that it takes in order to step into that octagon and win at the professional level, I think is really far beyond his years and is truly far beyond the understanding of what many people at what what many people in fighting can 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 comprehend because you also have to realize mm-hmm. DC you're in there with grown men right let, let, like like let, let's think about football Stetson Bennett is 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 old enough is it was born in the same year as Lamar Jackson and so that's the reason that yeah, Stetson you Bennett that? who maybe is not as yeah who's yeah it's crazy who's maybe is not as skilled or as talented <laughs> can dominate in college because he's so old playing against 18-year-olds. Now, Raul Rosas Jr. is that 18-year-old with grown men. When when <laughs> 25. <laughs> when you look at, you see, when you look at who he is RC. and what his potential is as a fighter, what type of ceiling does this dude have? R- RC, flash that, flash that billboard again. RC, we were doing some pretty cool stuff in 2004, weren't we? Like, let's just hey, call we were doing things. Hey, like, we were doing good things, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, we both at 25. I'm wrestling in the Olympics. My ball RC signed with the Reds. DC, I mean, look man, at your hairline. 
Look at your hairline, DC. What the heck? Hey, dog, my holy my, mackerel. Yeah, I know. Look at that. Yeah, look at that, right? Look at the neck you were on handsome, that dude. Man. Boy, I was a strong, I was a strong boy. A big, big old neck. But I see, I think that I think that Rosas Jr. also speaks to the UFC promotional machine. Because, bro, when that kid hit mm -hmm. the curtain, it mm -hmm. got loud. I couldn't believe how loud it got. I was like, wow, he got a pop in his UFC debut as an 18-year-old. They went crazy in the arena. But I think he's very good. Yesterday I heard him do an interview and say he could beat Aljamain Sterling today. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Now we got to start. Hold up. But again, Hold up now. Youthful, <laughs> youthful ignorance, right? <laughs> youthful ignorance because he believes he can be the champion right now. But I do believe that in time there's a lot of potential for Raul Rosas Jr., to be something very special in the UFC, especially being Mexican. RC, I'm telling you, dude, the passion of the Hispanic fans, crazy. And he's going to tap into that like all the great Mexican fighters that came before him. You know, another fighter who we thought had a very tough matchup was Taporia, and he was going to fight Bryce Mitchell. And these are two young undefeated fighters who face one another and you think to yourself, okay, this is going to be an extreme test. And we, we kind of knew DC or we felt like he would have the advantage on the feet, which he did. He was, he was more, he was more explosive. He was the, he, he landed the more power punches and he always seemed a step ahead of Bryce Mitchell. But when the fight went to the ground, DC, he manhandled Bryce. He threw him around like a rag doll and eventually got the submission when you're watching this fight, how impressive was Ilya Taporia against Bryce Mitchell on Saturday night? It was crazy. It was crazy to watch Ilya Taporia. I mean, he's good, Ryan. And, I mean, this dude is intense. When he came into the fighter meeting, he was intensity personified. Dude was not smiling. He was not joking. He was into his weight cut. And he was going to go out there and dominate Bryce Mitchell. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. And everybody was worried about him all week because he was so focused on Patty Pimblett. That dude got into the octagon. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. And honestly, it's very difficult to exceed expectation. He exceeded expectation and overachieved in a fight that could have been really dangerous for him. But Bryce was not able to get any takedowns. He wasn't able to do anything on the feet. The guy looks like a guy that is going to be in the hunt for future championship opportunities. I, I am more impressed with Ilya Taportia than I've ever been uh, in, in his whole entire career, and I've called a number of his fights before. DC, can I ask you a question? Yes. Can I ask a question. I don't want to be disrespectful. What, man? And so I'm going to ask you. After the fight, Bryce Mitchell mentions having the flu, Right. I've played a ton of football games where I wasn't feeling well, DC. <laughs> I know where and you're going. I know where you Whether going. I played well or whether I didn't play well, it didn't really matter what I felt like during the week, DC, because <laughs> on that day, I decided to walk my butt out into the stadium. Oh Why is it that so many <laughs> fighters don't just allow themselves to take L? Why is it always I had the flu or I had a training camp? I had a training camp injury that I didn't want to disclose. Well, why are you disclosing it? If you ain't want to disclose it in the beginning, <laughs> don't disclose it now. 
Or if you, DC, no, for real. I don't like this now, DC. I don't like this now. If you got the flu, just tell me you got the flu. Right? What I'm going to do is, it's social media. I can get you anything. If I got the flu a week before the fight, you know what I'm going to do, DC? I'm going to be like, <laughs> yeah, guys, oh, I'm under the weather, but oh, I'm going to, I got to go hit the heavy bag, guys. I got to start this weight cut. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then that way, DC, oh, yeah. hey. if I lose, you already they know. know. Everybody know. Everybody know, right? Everybody know if you put it out before, like, yo, go out there. I feel bad, but guys, for you, <laughs> I'm going to get through this. Like, I'm going to get through this for you because I love my fans. I want to compete with my fans. I, there's a, look, <laughs> here's the thing. In football, uh, in basketball, they're all games, right? Stick and ball games. In fighting, still a fight. And I believe that as long as we have been alive, RC, 43 years for both of us, whether we got beat on the playground, whether we got beat by our brothers and sisters, there was always a reason as to why we get beat. I think it it goes back to the our, our, the, 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 that common emotion for understanding how someone can be better than you and then be better than you in the ultimate proven contest. Because winning the game, the football game or the basketball game, is much different than losing the fight. Because in that fight, on that night, inside that octagon, one person in a one-on-one situation was better than you. In our brain as men, Ryan, we can't really understand that or accept that it's hard to accept that at my best and at that guy's best he was just better than me and that's why I think you see a lot of those uh reasons as to why guys aren't themselves whenever they go into the octagon because it's just hard it's hard to believe that someone's better than you your Louisiana accent made you mess up one of those words excuses what word? A lot of times why you hear oh. the excuse, you said reasons. A lot of times why you hear the excuses that a guy like Taporia could win. But when you think about a resounding win like he had over Bryce Mitchell, who was one of the bright young prospects in the UFC, and you look at the opportunities he has at featherweight, who should be his next matchup, DC? Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen. Arnold oh, Allen wow. for me. Yair is fighting against Josh Emmett for the interim championship. Max Holloway is uh, not fighting right now. He's already fought Brian Ortega, but I think he does it again. I think he gets another young prospect, and he fights Arnold Allen, or or he fights uh, uh, Brian Ortega. I don't know where Brian Ortega is right now in his career. I think he's injured. I think he had a shoulder injury in the last fight, so I think he's on the shelf for a while. But I would love to see him in Arnold Allen because I believe that if you take the Portia, they say you put him you in put the top him five Allen match together, bro. He's gonna be in the top ten right now, RC, because Bryce Mitchell was number nine. Wow. Once you beat number nine, you got to keep going up, right? You earn the right to fight somebody in the top five. I think you put him and Allen together because listen to this: Volkanovski has already beaten Holloway. He's already beaten Ortega. He's beaten pretty much everyone. Yair Rodriguez hasn't fought him yet. So if Yair Rodriguez wins or Calvin Cater wins, they're the interim champion. They'll obviously get the champ. But if these guys are on the same timeline as that undisputed featherweight championship is getting contended, these two guys are fighting around the same time, and then you have your next guy. 
to fight for the UFC featherweight championship. And it's a fresh matchup between two young guys that have proven to be elite in the division. Yeah, I think that'll be a matchup that'll be extremely explosive. I don't believe Arnold Allen really gets the attention that he deserves for the run or that credit. he's had thus far. Or, or credit, right, or, or that, that he's had thus far in the UFC. And RC, you know, the, you know, part of the reason with Allen is because of the way the Calvin Cater fight it hurt, finished, right? Because he got hurt. Yes. So it's like yep. nobody like gives him credit for that. So he needs another one of those big time performances to truly establish himself as a player in this division. Well, DC, it is now time for the show to start. Our very own Dana White talked to ESPN insider Brett Okamoto, and here's what he had to say about my dog Connor. <laughs> I leave Connor alone. I, I don't go. I don't go chasing these guys, man. I leave Connor alone and let Connor do his thing. And when Connor gets the itch, and if and when he's ready to come back, he'll let us know. Believe me when I tell you, when Connor calls and says, "Dana, I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm getting back into camp." I'll let everybody know. Just your own take. If you had to set a line on, on the three most likely Conor McGregor opponents when he comes back, what are the odds you would set? Well, it's, it's hard to say because it's going to depend on when he comes back. But, I mean, this is a no-brainer. A fun fight is him and Chandler. And, you know, that, that's already – the talk has already started with that one. Chandler called him out. People were talking about it on, on, on social media. Talk. Yeah. Woo! 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 Oh, yeah, D.C., my dog going to I like back. that one. Ah, my dog just, gonna come here we back. go again. D.C., I like, I are you like surprised? This one? <laughs> I, I'm surprised all you that they don't talk, though, D.C., that Dana White and Conor uh, McGregor don't really speak. I'm not surprised. I'm not very surprised. I mean, think about this, bro. Like, Conor McGregor is not your normal athlete. He's a billionaire almost. Like, the guy has so much money. He's off doing his own thing. It, didn't Conor McGregor just film Roadhouse or something like the – the remake yeah, of that movie did. with Patrick Swayze back in the day. So, like, Conor McGregor's doing his own thing and probably doesn't need to reach out to Dana much for much outside of fighting. So, uh, I'm not surprised, but I do love the Chandler matchup. And, RC, we talked about this months ago. Like, Chandler's fights and his fighting style make him the right guy to fight Conor McGregor because he has some star quality mm -hmm. now, and he also has a fighting style that kind of would seem into fighting in terms of a matchup. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, uh, if it's Michael Chandler uh, versus Conor McGregor. Yeah, and I would be extremely excited about that. And I agree with you when it, it's almost like the UFC and Conor McGregor don't need each other which is what makes their match so beautiful. It's no stress. It's no pressure. And when they come together, it is such beautiful music. Brett uh, Okamoto asked Dana White about a top three, and we only got one. So I think it's time we give our top three matchups for Conor McGregor, D.C. And I think I'll go first because I'm Conor's true fan. You're a Conor hater. You don't huh. respect uh, what he's done in his career. No, I'm not. You don't re You're respect crazy. You don't, res you don't respect what Connor has accomplished. Uh, and so I'm going to go I first. I respect that. Obviously, Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, to me, is the top guy. That, that, that's the guy I think he should fight first. And then I'm going to go RDA. And the reason I'm going to go RDA is because I believe the nostalgia of the matchup that would have been absolute fireworks years ago when they were supposed to meet, which I think was twice maybe, uh, we would also get that. And number three is Jorge Masvidal for me. 
one, because of his style. Two, I I know that he's going to not only bring the fight, he's going to build the fight. And this kind of puts you along the same lines of the Chandler as the BMF, but it's also not putting Conor McGregor in the octagon with someone who is of huge, huge threat to hurt him at that championship level. I hate when that happens. You don't like man. my list? I hate when that happens. I, I, I hate when like I hate when like you get something that I missed or I skimmed over and you did it to me again because I did not put RDA and I, I cannot believe I did that. I hate. I literally hate when that happens and it's starting to happen quite often. So let's run my list, man. At number one, that's because I'm I got a Michael UFC Chandler analyst now. <laughs> I got Michael Chandler at number one. I got Masvidal at number two. And at number three, I got mm. Justin Gaethje. Because Justin Gaethje is a big name, and he's a stand-up guy that won't wrestle McGregor much. But but mm, I, I like should have put though. RDA because of the history. It's a great fight, but it doesn't have the backstory of the RDA fight. So if I could change, I probably would put RDA as that other guy. We, we would have been in line, right? Chandler, Masvidal. In, in RDA because of the backstory. That means I won? But, uh, I put that Gaethje. means I won? I think you won this. That means I won? I think you won this one, bro. <laughs> I think Corporate you won Jake, this one, bro. cut that. Okay, hey, hey, Corporate Jake, hey, cut that and hey, send it to hey. me. I'm going to post that. I'm not even going to talk anymore. Hey, hey guys, what? it's time to tap in and tap out. <laughs> hey, RC, oh RC. My gosh. RC, look, 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 look. RC, RC, this dude right here. He's like, I, I throw it in, he throw it in the towel, RC. He throw it in the towel. <laughs> Saturday night, Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland face off in the main event. Both men have lost their respective title opportunities. DC, tap in or tap out. The loser should consider changing weight classes. I tap out because you don't you don't have to really like you you don't always have to be fighting for championships to have a successful career. I mean, Jared Gordon fought for the belt. Uh, Sean Strickland was very close. He still could rebuild himself back to a title fight. But Jared Go- Jared Cannonier now can just fight. And win fights and make money. Because you don't have to necessarily be a champion to be successful. So I tap out. You don't need to change weight classes. Yeah, I tap out. I tap out as well. This The UFC is different now. It used to be you had to be that guy that was constantly getting that main event on a pay-per-view or the guy that was constantly fighting or consistently challenging for championships to be a star. I believe all of that has changed now, and so I don't believe the loser has to make a move. And we have seen Jared Cannonier fight at that weight class before. What's up, Corporate Jake? Last week, the UFC announced they will be returning to London in March for UFC 286. RC, tap in or tap out. The headliner needs to be Leon versus Usman 3. You know, I would want it to be that, but I tap out on it because I know Kamaru has to have surgery or is reportedly having surgery. I believe Leon Edwards has to be involved. That's what I tap Mm -hmm. in on. If you're going to go there, you're going to have these fights. Their champion needs to be fighting, but I don't believe it has to be Kamaru Usman. I tap in on Leon Edwards having to be a part of the main event. I also tap in on Patty Pimblett has to be on the card. So there's only two musts for the London card. It's, it's Leon Edwards and Patty Pimblett. And honestly, I would like Bilal Muhammad to get his opportunity. If it ain't going to be Kamaru Usman, oh. Bilal Muhammad is the guy that right. should be fighting for the belt. Corporate Jake. All right, guys, let me introduce you to basketball meets MMA. It's 3v3 game with no dribbling needed and takedowns allowed. DC, tap in it's or Jamal tap out on this cross-sport phenomenon. It's Jamal. This is how Jamal okay. in DC plays basketball. Like how, oh anyway. my God! He just threw. 
Wait, so they can actually tackle each other? Oh my goodness! Yes. Did you see that double leg? <laughs> Bro, I tap in. That is like that's my new favorite sport. Ryan, look at this double okay. leg, bro. Watch, watch the video. DC, here's why oh, I this tap guy here got a pretty good jump. None shot. of these people, none of these people are actually good at basketball. All of these people are wrestlers. <laughs> so I tap totally out on this because nobody's dribbling. Everybody <laughs> here plays basketball like Habib Nurmagomedov. I tap. It looked like I'll be playing basketball. Corporate Jake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, last one. Christmas is around the corner, and that means holiday lights on houses. Our own DC says that he put the lights on his house himself. Bro, you put RC, my house. Tap in or I tap out. How you put my house up on the TV this. like that, man? Oh my God, bro. Okay. We can't. We can't see the address. DC. Did you blur out the address you are at least. So rich. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can't. Bro, believe look how guys. rich you yeah. are. No. That's in California. No, Oh, this was actually Dana Ryan, this white was actually, privilege. Ryan, Ryan, this was actually, this oh was actually to prove that I put up my own Christmas lights. I, this was a how does that message. prove I anything? I feel violated. I feel violated. DC, how does this prove? I, feel violated. I tap all the way out. You would have sent us a picture on a ladder, DC, because you're so petty <laughs> and you need so much proof. <laughs> if you really did this, there would be a picture of you actually hanging in the lights. You did not, DC. I put my I own lights on my house. I put my own lights on my house. I put my own lights on in my house. Show. So I tap all the way in on DC in the show. putting in his, his own lights. Somebody, hey, I want to see. Y'all need to put Ryan House up on the TV too, though, man. I'm done with this. Some Next week, I want I Ryan's House lights. on the TV. I don't decorate my house. <laughs> I don't decorate my house. Why would you want my house on the TV? I don't even decorate my house, DC. Nah, man, they put... Like, hey, oh you know what? Goodness, this Ryan show Clark. was off the rails from the very beginning. I hope <laughs> that Jake and Sean and, and Air all have a great time trying to edit this show and figure it out. Because I don't know what the hell happened. Next show, we got the year. <laughs> next week, we got the year-end show. We're excited about that. This is two year-end shows for us. That means we haven't been canceled yet, wow. which is always a positive. And that is thanks <laughs> to you guys. You can catch us wherever you get your podcast. Also on ESPN2 at midnight on Tuesdays. DC, what other lies are you going to tell about Christmas? You Did, did, did you cut down oh, your man, Christmas tree too? Like Yourself? I don't lie, man. I was out there like Paul Bunyan. But I don't I don't lie about Christmas, man. I love Christmas. I love, I mean, I love Christmas holiday. So just relax, Ryan Clark. Every Tuesday, guys, YouTube, ESPN2, and wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my guy, Ryan Clark. Peace.